worship. Man, I hope you know it's my, no, we're not just here to sing songs, the truth that we're declaring. We, I mean, we said some things this morning. God, we're turning away from the world to you. No turning back, right? So I hope you weren't just, you know, thinking this was like Jesus karaoke this morning. You know, no turning back. You know, no, we're, we're saying some things, man, this morning. I love it. Hey, if you're here for the very first time, I never dance like I just did, and I apologize. And my name's Mark, and I'm the pastor. Uh, if you forgot, uh, my name's Mark, and I'm the pastor, and it's good to have you guys here. Hey, if you are here for the first time, you're new here, we have a free gift for everybody that's uh, here for the first time or brand new. All you've got to do is fill out your connection card that's somewhere around you is a connection card, on your seat or back of the seat around you. Fill that out. We give you time to do that at the end. Uh, you can take that to the welcome area, and we'll just exchange that card for the gift. But if you've been coming for a bit, and for some reason or another, I've just never met you, shook your hand or anything, I'd love to meet you today really quick before you go. Uh, I'll be at the welcome area after church uh, today, so I'd love to meet you. Hey, really quick before we jump in, I want to um, uh, just call some attention to what Dana just now talked about. She talked about something called VBS Blast. Now, what that is... It's everything with Vacation Bible School literally crammed into three hours. So games, fun, crafts, lesson, everything you would do in like three or four days, however long. We're going to do it in three hours. Right here is the first one. Uh, we're going to do three. I'll talk about that in a second. But here's, here's the deal. We need your help to be, uh, to be able to do this. We need your help to pull this off. If you want to serve at VBS Blast, and, and it's set up just like a traditional vacation Bible school. Te you know, we need uh, teachers for lessons, people to help with games, food, and all kinds of different things. If you want to help, and you can, we need you, you can sign up out there at the welcome area, or if you open up the Summit app right now, click on sign-ups at the main bottom. It says VBS Blast volunteer form. You can click on that and just fill that out to uh, volunteer. We are having three VBS Blasts. The first one is July the 17th, Wednesday at 6 right here. Then we're going to take VBS on the road and do it in two different locations in our community. The first one is July 24th at Walkertown, and the second one's at Cherokee Hills, July 31st. Why are we doing that? Because we don't just believe that the church needs to, that people need to come to the church. We believe the church needs to come to the world, all right, to go out there. And so we want to do that. You can sign up for all three of those today. Uh, like I said, on the app, we're out there at the welcome area, okay? So make sure to sign up for those uh, today. We need your help. Hey, before I pray, um, uh, last night, about 9.30, uh, we got back. I was with the, uh, our student ministry. We got back from what was called the Forward Conference in Atlanta, and it was awesome. It was awesome. And, uh, man, it was amazing just to be with like 13,000, 14,000 teenagers from across the country and uh, I want to show you a little bit of what it's like. So we put together a quick video just to show you. So check out the screens. Go ahead and watch this.
you're watching that and you are a middle school or high school student, you're not involved in our student ministry, you need to be a part of it. Tonight at 6.30, they're actually going to meet, so change, schedules change just a bit, so students are meeting tonight at 6.30, but if you're a part of that, you're a parent, grandparent, or whatever, man, you need to be a part of our student ministry. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Woo! Yes, all right. So, uh, I'm going to pray and we're going to jump in, all right? So, let's pray this morning. Jesus, we thank you so much for today. God, I pray that you would speak to us here this morning. Um, God, even right now while I'm praying, Father, I, uh, I'm thinking about our, uh, our, our church in Whitesburg, our campus in Whitesburg, and Mark Applegate, who comes here, his wife Suzanne, who serves in kids. Mark Applegate is preaching at, at Summit Whitesburg today, right now. God, I pray that you would speak through him and that you would do great things there. God, I pray that you would move in every single church in our community right now, God, that's just worshiping you, that's, that's preaching the gospel. God, one church can't reach this community on its own, but together we can. And so, God, I pray for unity and power in churches. And, and God, I pray that you would come and you'd speak to us. Holy Spirit, you, you, you have things to say to us, and so, God, we want to hear it. You have things you want to do here, and so, God, we ask you to do it. Father, whatever you have for us, we say yes. God, whatever you want for us, we say yes. And Jesus, we give you permission. God, this place is open. We are available to you. God, so we ask you to come and do what only you can. We love you. We ask us in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to think about the fact that right now while we're in this room, kind of like what we said in this prayer, kind of, uh, that, that while we're in this room, there are people not only just in this community, but there are people all over the world who are talking about Jesus, who are preaching Jesus, who are singing the songs that we've sung. Uh, we're not the only people in the world who are worshiping Jesus today, all right? I want you to, want you to know that. And, and so not even just right now, you know, in different time zones, in different, uh, different uh, pieces of the weekend, depending on where they are. There are people who are worshiping Jesus in their own language from every tribe, tongue, and nation all over the world right now. And you might hear that and think, so? I got my own problems. I'm not, I'm not connected to them. Well, I just want you to know today that's not true because if you're a follower of Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus, you become a part of what the Bible calls the universal church. And what that means is, is, that, is that we become a part of, of the church of Jesus, the universal, invisible church, when we give our lives to Jesus, practically the way that works out is we need to become a part of a local, uh, local church, not, not a perfect church, there are no perfect churches, but practically we work that out by becoming a part of a church. But we're connected to every Christian, past, present, and future, all over the world, uh, right now, throughout history. So you have brothers and sisters in Christ that you don't know. And you'll know them in heaven, and you'll meet them in heaven, and you'll know their name, and they'll know yours, and you'll have a conversation. But there are people who are having church, church, different than we have church. Did you know that? In fact, here's what I want to do. I want to show you what that looks like. So let's have a conversation. I'm going to show you some pictures of church services from around the world, just taken just the past couple of weeks, months. And... Tell me if you see anything different from what they do than what we do, all right? Here's the first one. This one's from Kenya. See anything different? All right? Here's, here's one thing that you can't see in that picture. The average service at this church lasts five hours, all right? Five hours. I hear about it when we go an hour 15, right? Mark, how do you think I'm going to get to the restaurant? Listen, when church lasts five hours, you ain't got to worry about getting the table. They all went home. Say what you want. Right? There ain't nobody at the restaurant church last five hours every time. Goodness. Right? Look at the roof. Look at the door. There ain't one. 
Go to the next one. See anything different? What? Where's it at? It's outside. This is in Kenya as well. It's a church outside. It's a church outside. These are a group of men and women, people who have covenanted together to say, hey, we're, we're a local church. Jesus has changed our life. We want to worship him. We want to reach this community. We're a local church. How many people are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I count ten. Look at that church. Outside, see any padded chairs or pews? Right? Hey, you know what it means when your church meets outside? Ain't no air conditioning. Ain't no air conditioning. You're in Kenya. Right? No air conditioning in that place. All right? Go to the next one. Look at this one. Here's one right here. I've been in churches like uh, this one in Bolivia and some other places. Notice some things different. Look at the floor. A lot of church buildings like this one. Uh, this is just a shell of a building. All right? So it's just literally a shell. Here's a couple things you need to know about this. There's no air conditioning in there. Also, look at the stage. Do you see a sound system? No, there's not one. Right? I'm going to show you a picture from a church in Beijing next. Tell me if you see something that stands out. Say it. I hear some people mumbling it. Say it loud. You see a policeman in that picture. This is actually a church. Students, watch this. This is at a house church, so a church that meets in a guy's home. That's not a picture of a house church. That's actually a conference for church leaders in Beijing. So we just went to a conference with over 13, 14,000 people. This is a conference in a living room. And the police heard about it because Christianity is not the official state religion in Beijing. You have to do it underground. The authorities heard about it, so they came to break it up. Who knows what happens next. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. See, we as Americans, we think that we get church right, don't we? Because we're Americans, everybody. We, we know how to do things. We're Americans. We know how to do things right. We've got to understand that we're an extremely small sliver of the world. Amen? The, the way that we do church is radically different around the world. Here, here's why I'm showing you these pictures. Here's why I'm saying this. Would you be open this morning? To the possibility that a lot of what we think of as church came to us from tradition and preferences, not the Bible. Would you be open to that? Let me go further. Would you be open to the possibility that a lot of the things that we think of and we consider church or that you need to do at church are wrong? Think about it like this. If you were on an island by yourself and the only thing you had with this was this book, that you didn't have anything else, you didn't have a preacher, somebody to explain it to you. If you were on an island and you just had this book and you read this book, would you walk away from that island and think that the way you do church is the way that you have experienced church as an American? Think about that for a second. Now, listen to me. Church models and the way we do church, there's nothing wrong with those per se. I think there's a reason why the New Testament, why the Bible is silent about the way to conduct a church service. What I take from that, what a lot of people take from that, it's free. You're, you're free to interpret your local context, where we are, what would it look like to worship Jesus in a way that we could reach people, make the gospel accessible where God has put us. So the Bible doesn't say this is exactly what you do in a worship service. The Bible doesn't say this is how you conduct a worship service. But would you be open to the idea that, that a lot of the things that we know about church, we think about church, we didn't get from this book. 
Think about it like this. If you even go right now and you look up the word church in a dictionary, if you look up the word church in a dictionary, here's the definition of church from the dictionary. Church is a building used for public worship. Now, I don't know who the sweet soul was that wrote that. I'm sure they're fine. I'm sure they're fun to hang out with, but they're wrong. So the dictionary is wrong here. Listen, listen. Church is not a building at all. Now, we, we talk that way, don't we? We talk that way because it's convenient. You know, you go into church. I'm at church. We talk that way because it's convenient. We're used to it. But church isn't a building. We say this all the time. Church is the people of God. Church isn't a building. But when you think that church, hang with me, when you think that church is a place you go to, you get the mindset that a lot of us bring to church, which is a consumer mindset. See, a lot of us go to church the way we go to a store to buy a TV. A lot of us go to church the way we go to a store to buy a pair of pants. A lot of us go to church, and here's the thing that's in our minds. We're thinking this question, what am I going to get out of it? Right? So we walk in, and we got a list of some things we're looking for. We're looking for, you know, things from the preacher, the music. We talked about it a little bit last week. Things from the preacher, music, kids. Students, we're looking for air conditioning, right? And ain't nothing wrong with air conditioning. Bless God, it's a miracle. We love it. Amen? Amen? We thank goodness for air conditioning, right? We'll take it. We receive it. All right, but we're looking for air conditioning. We're looking for comfortable seats. We're looking to get out at a certain time. I see y'all looking at me right now, right? We, we come in, and, and, we're, and we're looking for certain things. But here's the problem. When we come into church just as a consumer, when we come into a church, see, I'm even talking that way. When we come to church with the mentality that I'm just going to get something, when we come to church looking for the show, when we come to church looking for a wow factor, here's what happens. As soon as another church starts up in town that seems to have a better show, we will leave and go to that one. And then we'll leave and go to the next show. And we'll leave and go to the next show. I don't even have to go to the show now. I'll just stay at home and watch it online. Because this church gives me what I'm looking for. This church meets my checklist. And we come and we're looking to get religious goods. But what we need to understand today, we're wrapping up our series, I Love Hazard. I want us to think about what even is the church? We, talk, we talked about last week the mission of the church. But what even is this? What, what is the church, and one of the things we've got to understand is we're going to talk this way. One of the things we've got to do is we have to actually change the way we think about church. We need to change the way that we think about church. And if we're going to do that, here, here's the way that we're going to have to do that. If we're really going to do this, what that means is we've got to understand. Watch this. If you're taking notes, write this down. That church has little to do with location and far more to do with identity. Church has little to do with location. You understand? Little to do with location. Listen, listen, here we are, 147 Century Circle. We're in this building. Listen to me, this building doesn't have a mission. But the people in it, the church, do. See the difference? This building is a place where the church gathers. This building doesn't have a mission. But the people who meet in this building do, because the people who meet in this building are who? The, the church. So we need to change the way we think about church. And it's not location, it's identity. It's who God says we are. So I want us to see who God says we are. If you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to be at today. <clears throat> Excuse me. 1 Peter 2, we're going to be reading verses 9 and 10. All right, they're on the screen, but, I, but just go ahead and open it up if you've got it on your phone or if you've got a copy of the Bible or whatever so you can see it, take notes, that sort of thing. 1 Peter 2, 
9 and 10. And, and this is Peter. This is the Apostle Peter. We know him. Same Peter who followed Jesus, denied Jesus, Jesus restored. Now, now Peter is writing a book to a church. And by extension, we're a church. This is for us. So Peter, God is talking to us through Peter. Watch verse 9 and 10. He says this. But you, he's talking to the church. So you, this is us, Summit. You, Summit, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, watch this, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want you to put all your attention on verse 9. Verse 9, Peter says four things about you and me. This all identity. Doesn't matter if you feel it or not. God says it about us. It's identity. Four things. One, we're a chosen race. Two, we're a royal priesthood. Three, we're a holy nation. Four, we're a people for God's own possession. What you need to know about all four of those is that God called all four of those, God said all those rather, to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. So the titles that God gives to you and me in verse 9, God gave those exact same titles to Israel in the Old Testament. The book of Exodus, book of Isaiah. One of the things that says to me, just pause for a second, one of the things that says to me is when you read this book, this book isn't the story of people who lived long ago. This is the story of the people of God. And since we're the people of God, this book is our story. Amen? So, so when you read about God delivering Israel out of Egypt from slavery, he did that for us. We're God's people. Jesus died for sins of God's people. That's us. We're God's people. When he comes back, Revelation says, for God's people, that's us. This book is our story. And so we got to understand that everything that God says to us, he's already said to the people of Israel. I just want to focus on one thing that God says here. Second one, that you and I, that we are a royal priesthood. So if we're going to understand that, then we've got to understand priests in the Old Testament. All right, here's a couple things you've got to know about priests in the Old Testament. Priests in the Old Testament were a very small, is a very small group of people, handpicked by God. God selected the priests in the Old Testament. And the priest's job, if you remember anything else, the priest's job was to be a representative of God to the people. That was their job. They were supposed to represent God to the people. And so they would offer sacrifices to God on behalf of the people for their sin. Old Testament worship for Israel, it was centered around two. Then it was really centered around two locations. First was the temple, I mean the tabernacle. Then it became the temple. And if you were to walk into the, into the tabernacle or the temple... At the main back of the tabernacle and the temple, there was this large curtain separating a room for the rest of the tabernacle and the temple. It was called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the room where the presence of God dwelt. In the Holy of Holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? So Indiana Jones, you open it up, it melts Nazi faces off. You know, that, that right there. Right? It's in the Bible. I'm just trying to help you out. And here's the thing. Listen to this. The priest, as the, as the representative of God for the people, he could only go into the presence of God, listen to this, guys, one time a year. The priest could only go beyond the curtain into the Holy of Holies one day a year. And, and because God, God said, my presence lives right here in this place, the Ark of the Covenant symbolized the presence of God. You have to come to God on God's terms because God's holy, God's perfect. He says, you have to do sacrifices this way. You, have, you, you need to worship me this way. He gave a lot of stipulations and rules in the Old Testament about it. 
And there was so much fear that a priest would go into the Holy of Holies and get kind of careless and do whatever they want and offer a sacrifice however they want. Every time a priest would go into the Holy of Holies, they literally would tie a rope around their ankle in case he died in there. In case he got careless and just began to worship God however he wanted to, and he died because he was overwhelmed by the holiness of God, the average person couldn't go in there to get him. So that rope, you drug him out. Think about that. They could, he could only go to God one time a year. But here's some other problems that priests had. I mean, one, yeah, it was a problem, honestly, that he could only go to God for the people one day out of the year. Another problem is that when priests offered sacrifices for the people's sin, they had to offer sacrifices for their own sin because they were sinners. Another problem they had is that they all died. So they had to constantly find new priests and raise others up. This is exactly why the book of Hebrews chapter 4 says Jesus is our great high priest. Because Jesus never needed a sacrifice for sin because he was sinless and he didn't die. He lives forever. He's alive right now at the right hand of God and the Father and the Son. Watch this, watch this. The Father and the Son have sent the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, into the lives of every follower of Jesus. So so every man, every woman, every teenager, every, every child who's a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of all of us and now we are all priests. Every follower of Jesus is a priest. We are God's representative in the world. So every man, every woman, every student, every child in the room today, we are all priests. First service did the same thing. Right? Nothing. Nothing. Right? I love it. So, so I love this church. I love you make me work for it. You're serving me. Makes me a better man. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for making me work. Right? This is a big deal. And listen, here's the deal, man. I, listen, 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 listen. I know that I get hyper a lot. And so like, Jacob says it's okay. God bless you, brother. God bless you. And, and so I, all the time, like I'm saying, this is going to be the best Sunday ever. This is going to be amazing. You know, I do a lot of hype and I'm really hyper. I promise you. Watch this. I promise you what we're going to unpack in the next couple of minutes could revolutionize your relationship with God. All right? It could revolutionize. Woo! That's right. You ought to. It will revolutionize your relationship with God when you realize that you are a priest. Here's why. Because what that means is you do not need follower of Jesus. Listen to me. If you are a follower of Jesus, you don't need somebody else to go to God for you. You can go to God by yourself. You can go to God on your own. You don't have to wait for somebody to go into the presence of God one day out of the year because you are a royal priesthood in Christ. You can go to God anywhere, at any time, for anything. And you have the undivided attention of your heavenly Father. Think about it. There's this detail when Jesus died on the cross that we don't give enough attention to. When Jesus died on the cross... The Bible says that the curtain in the temple was torn in two. We just talked about it. What curtain was torn? It was the curtain that separated the temple and the tabernacle from the Holy of Holies. Here's what you need to do. That curtain was taller than this wall. And the Bible says that it wasn't torn from the bottom to the top. No human being walked up to that curtain and just tore it. The Bible says that that curtain was torn from top to bottom. Because who tore it in two? God grabbed that curtain and tore it in two and said, Heaven is open 
for business and everybody is invited. See, we are priests. Every man, woman, student, child, you're a priest unto God. People come to me all the time. I've had people come to me sometime and they'll say this, Mark, you're a preacher. Will you go to God for me? Will you talk to, you're a preacher. God listens to you when I talk. Will you talk to God for me? You're a preacher. <clears throat> <clears throat> went too far, went too far. <laughs> but here's what I say. No, I won't. I won't go to God for you because you don't need me to. Now, I'll go to God and talk to, you, talk to him about you. And we can talk to him together right now. But you don't need me to go, to go to God because I have VIP access you don't. Listen, preachers and pastors, I get this a lot. See, some of you are like, whoa, what just happened? The preacher just said, what? You've got to receive this. You've got to hear this. So many people think that preachers, pastors, church leaders have different access to God that other people do not have. Being a preacher or a pastor has nothing to do with access. It has a lot to do, everything to do rather, with, with gifting and calling, but it doesn't have anything to do with access. Every one of us as followers of Jesus, we have equal access to God. We should want people to pray for us. The church needs to pray for each other. But listen, you can go to God when you want to. You can cry out to the heavens when you need to. You don't need a priest to intercede for you. Jesus is at the right hand and we have one mediator. It is the Son of God. And so you can go to God on your own. Does this make sense? See, one of the things about priests is they knew God. And they, they had a relationship with God. What that means is that you can know God. What that means is that God wants to speak to you. Theologically, what we're talking about is this idea. It has a name. It's called the priesthood of the believer. So in the Old Testament priests, it was just a small, limited group of people. But in the New Testament, because of the finished work of Jesus, every single one of us is a priest. Every single one of us has access to God. And all of us, we are God's representative in the world. So you're a representative of God at your school, students. Amen? You're a representative of God where you work. Here's this. You're a representative of God by the way you talk and act online. Hello? You need to remember you're a representative of God when they invite you to that party and you know what's going to happen to that party. You need to remember that you're a representative of God when somebody asks you to send the text message that a royal priesthood would not send. You need to remember that you're a representative of God when at work they ask you to do something behind closed doors that, that bends the rules a little bit. Don't worry, nobody will ever find out. Nobody will ever know. And you're thinking, my heavenly Father knows. And I'm part of a royal priesthood. And I'm a representative of God where I work. We are God's representatives in the world. Do you realize this? I didn't ask you if you feel like it because here's the thing. This is really good news. It doesn't matter if we feel like this is true. This has nothing to do with feeling. It has everything to do with identity. This is who God says we are. This is what Jesus bought for us. It has nothing to do with, Mark, I don't feel worthy. Listen to me. None of us are worthy. Hello? None of us are worthy. Jesus had to die for all of us. It has nothing to do with being worthy. Do you, do you realize this? Maybe one of the reasons we fail to realize this a lot of times, and listen to this, 
It's because we don't take the time to know God for ourselves. Listen, if this is the only interaction that you have with God, if this is the only time that you spend with God this hour or whatever it is on Sunday and other people worship and you watch them, other people preach and, and you listen to them, listen, don't settle for a preacher telling you who God is and telling you what God is like. You can know God for yourself, Summit. This is why we're always beating the drum of you got to own your relationship with Jesus. you got to feed yourself spiritually because God wants to say something to you that He won't say to me. Did you know that? God wants to work in you in a way that He won't do in my life. We're all part of this royal priesthood. We all have access to God. Let's pray for one another. Let's lift one another up. But we've got to realize that we all have access to God and we're God's representatives in the world. Somebody asked me one time if I was the priest at Summit. said, are you the priest at Summit? I heard you were the priest. And I said, no, I'm not. Summit doesn't have a priest. And I said, no, Summit doesn't have a priest. This verse tells me Summit has hundreds of them. Amen? This verse tells me Summit's got hundreds of priests. Men and women who can go to God. Men and women who can be God's representative. I can't lead my friend to Jesus. I got to call Pastor Mark. No, you can lead your friends to Jesus. You can lead your family to Jesus. God can speak to you through this word. Why? Because you are a royal priestess. See, we've got we to change the way we think about church. It's not something that we go to to get religious goods. We are the church. And what that means is that we are a part of the royal priesthood. God speaks to us. We know God. Doesn't mean we're better than anybody. Doesn't mean we judge people. Because we are who we are only by the grace of God, right? So, so it's not that we're not better. That, that nothing. We have no ground to judge anybody. We have been invited into grace. And it's because of that that we can say, because of the grace of God, we're the church. Part of the royal priesthood. But, but there's another thing. And I think that this one is bigger than the first. See, not only do we need to change the way we think about church. Hang with me. We've got to change the way that we think about ministry. So if I change the way that I think about church, I need to change the way that I think about ministry. See, for a lot of us, the way we think church works, we think that church kind of works the way that our favorite sports teams do or maybe a team that we were on in high school, right? I've said before, I was on, my, I was on the baseball team uh, at my high school. I played baseball in high school, and that's actually a, a lie. Uh, I was really just a cheerleader in the dugout. I stink at baseball, and they knew better than to let me in the game, all right? And, and listen, I, I mean, I'm just being honest, and I'm fine with it. I'm secure enough in Christ, and after a lot of counseling, I'm fine. I'm fine. And, but I mean, no kidding. Here's the thing. Here's the, if, if they let me in the game, it was because we were beating the pants off the other team, right? Or it was senior day. And I'm sure there was a conversation. Are we going to let him in? Right? That, it was clear who the starters were and those who were not. It, it was clear. It's clear on every team the people who are going to get the most playing time probably, and those who are not. It's clear who the all-stars are and those who are not. A lot of us think that church works with all-stars. We come and we watch the professionals do ministry, do we not? So we come and we sit and we watch people up on a stage like this. We watch pastors and professional people do things. We watch professionals in the worship. We even talk this way. Hang with me. We talk this way. I've been called to the ministry. 
I've been called to the ministry. So-and-so has been called to the ministry. We even, we even have language that we use. Clergy and laity. Have you ever heard those words before? Here's the problem with talking that way in those words. They're not in here. Did you know that? They're not in here. There isn't anywhere in the Bible where there's a certain group of people who are called and others are not. In the Bible, everyone is called to ministry. In the Bible, under Jesus, in the New Testament, every single Christian is called to ministry. Every one of us are. Every Christian is called to ministry. The Apostle Paul will talk about how we're all called to the, to the ministry of reconciliation. Every single Christian is called to ministry. Now some people, some Christians are called to what's called vocational ministry. And all that means is they might work at a, at a church for a church. This is me. They might work at a church full time or part time. But make no mistake about it. Some, every single one of us are called to the ministry. If you're a teacher, that's ministry. Amen? If you're a doctor, that's ministry. If you're a manager, that's ministry. You're a waiter, you're a waitress, that's ministry. You're a student, that's ministry. For this season of your life, as long as you're there, you're stationed there, that's ministry. You're stay-at-home mom or dad, that's ministry. Grandparents, that's ministry. You're retired, that's ministry, because you never retire from the ministry of Jesus. No matter what your job is, you're, you're a carpenter, you're an artist, you're a musician. It doesn't matter what your job is, what your, what your occupation is, your job, our jobs, whatever they are, our jobs are ministry, and we've been put there by God to be God's representative in that job. You might hate your job. But God's put you there at least for this season to be God's representative. And see, because we're there no matter what our jobs are, we're, we're there. And listen, we're not there working for our boss because the Bible says that we need to work for the Lord, not for man. So we're not working for whoever might be at the top of the org chart. We're there with, with our hearts and our minds trying to set them on Jesus. And we're there, hopefully our hearts are saying, Jesus, I want you to use me to make this place, this city, this organization, use me to make it look more like heaven. Use me to make this community look more like heaven. Use me to bring the kingdom. I mean, one of the things that the church ought to want for Hazard and for the community is that we ought to want to make this place a better place. Amen? I love what God says to Israel in Jeremiah 29, 7. Seek the welfare of the city. He says, plant gardens there. Raise your families there. Start businesses there. Make Babylon, that's where Israel was, make Babylon better. Church, let's make Hazard better. Let's not yell at it, point fingers at it. Let's make Hazard better. How can we do that? Maybe God told you to start a business. You'd always plan to start it somewhere else. What about here? Maybe God's given you a vision or a passion to do something here. Do that vision. Run with that. See what happens. And, and let's see if it can lead to the flourishing and the advancement of the community. And as we're doing our jobs and, and whatever we're doing, we're praying for our coworkers and our friends and our classmates that they would see Jesus in our lives and that we get opportunities to share Jesus with them. But every single one of us are called to the ministry. You don't look convinced. Let's go a little deeper. Listen, God just keeps bringing me back to the verse that I'm about to show you. I think that this verse has got to change at least this church because we're here. Let's let this verse change our church in the future. Look at this verse. Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Watch this. God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds. Your Bible, stop for a second. Your Bible right there might say pastor. 
Shepherd's pastor right there. Shepherds are pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of what? For the work of what? For the work of what? Ministry for building up the body of Christ. There's several things you got to know here. Here's number one. So I'm a pastor. What do you think pastors do? Some of you are like, well, that's a good question. What do you do, brother? Right? Here's what I How's it feel to work one day a week? Right? And then I pray God's wrath on them. Um, and, uh, and so, pastors do ministry. Pastors do ministry. Did you know that the word pastor, for all the talk about pastors, is used one time in the Bible? Think about that. Think about what I just said. The word pastor is only used one time in the Bible. And it's right here. What does God say pastors or shepherds or church leaders do? Equip the who? Saints. Now who are saints? You. Man, you didn't know this morning you were going to become realize you were a priest and a saint. This is a big deal, isn't it? Right? Man, we ought to give you something walking out the door this morning. Every single Christian is a saint. Every single Christian in Christ is a saint. And what do saints do? For the work of what? Ministry. Ministry is for everybody. Now, ministry looks different for everybody, but listen to me. Every single person is called to ministry. Here, let's lay in the plane. Let's lay in the plane. Let's get real practical and let's talk shop. All right? Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Listen to me. We are, we are crazy if we think that we're really going to reach Eastern Kentucky by them coming to us in this building. We are crazy. If you think that's how we're going to reach the world, I want to tell you today in Jesus' name, you're wrong. No church is going to reach their community that way. If that's our strategy, let's be honest. This is a show that we would like for you to come and watch. Hello? We're wrong if we think we're going to reach the world that way. We're not going to reach Christopher that way. This, this community neighborhood right here, it's not going to happen. See, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, people said, hey, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see a man who's forgiven me of my sin. So, so we want to do that. We're going to tell, hey, come to our church. Hey, invite your friends. We gave out invite cards last week. Come and see what God has done, what God is doing. But Jesus didn't just do come and see. Jesus, more than come and see, said go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell them about what I'm about to do. Go and tell them about who I am. The future of the church is not in let's get them to come to a location. The future of the church that really wants to make a difference in their community will be the church that leaves a location and goes in Jesus' name to a community to take the message, message of Jesus to the community and world. So it's not simply come here, it's we're going to go to them. And by the grace of God, they will come. But more and more, church, we've got to go to them. Do you believe it? If you don't believe it, watch the news. Does the, world, does the world look like things are getting better? On the up and up, does it look like the world is moving to Jesus or away from Him? It looks like the world is running away from Him. And so what that means is we got to go to them. We can't point at them and judge them and hope that they just simply show up at our door. Church, we have got to go to them in love. We have got to go to them. Yes, come. 
But let's go. Sometimes people ask me, Mark, what's your church do to reach the community? What's your church do to reach kids? What's your church do to reach families? What's your church do to reach students? And a lot of times the church's common answer, and we, and we're, and we do this and we're going to continue to. But a lot of times the common answer is, well, well, let's start something so they can come to it. Let's start a program, things like that, an event, things like that. And, and we do those things, and we're going to continue to do them. Again, that's, that's a part of it. But can I tell you who I think might be the best people to reach students in our community? Students filled with the Holy Spirit, in love with Jesus, just seeing what we did. Turning away from the world, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I think students in love with Jesus are the best people to reach other students. I think that the best people to reach families are families who love Jesus. I think the best people to reach your co-workers is you filled with the Holy Spirit, just willing to be God's representative where you work. I think that the best people to reach your family is you right there at the Thanksgiving table, and they're all losing their ever-loving mind, and you're praying, Jesus, come, come now. Hallelujah, do whatever, come, you know, whatever it takes, you know. And, I, th I just think that the best people to reach people <laughs> are people filled with the Spirit of God. And we will go to them in love. You want to get real? Let's get real. It's September. September. I said September. That ain't a month. September. Sup. September. This September, we'll turn eight. We'll turn eight years old as a church. That's awesome. It's awesome. Celebrate that, man. God's been faithful. God's been good. It's awesome. 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 On an average Sunday, our church, attendance-wise, averages 400 people. Now, that's not true during the summer. During the summer, people are like, oh, sun's out, gun's out, baby. Woo! Everybody's gone. It's crazy during the summer. Like, it could be 400 next Sunday, too. I don't even know. And, but, but there's like a weekend in September when everybody comes back. Just, boom, they all come back. We average 400 every week. It took us eight years to get there. What if, imagine this, last week we talked about the mission of the churches to make disciples, disciples who make disciples. What if starting today, what if starting right now today, all 400 of us said, God, we began to pray this prayer, God, in the next year, by June 2020, if you'll let me lead one person to Jesus, one per let me lead one person to you, and over the next year I'd, I'd help them grow, then God, in one year, I'll do the same thing for somebody else. And, and, and God, they'll do the same thing for somebody else. I'll help them get ready to do the same thing for somebody else. And then on and on and on. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? What would happen? What would happen? I did some math and I ran some numbers. If we did that starting today, then June of, of next year, June of next year, there'll be 800 people here. Year three, 1,600. Year four, 3,200. Year five, 6,400 people. Skip down to year 10. In 10 years, 716,800 people. We could reach this community in eastern Kentucky. There's not 716,800 people who live here. We could reach this community in 10 years. I know some of y'all. And you're thinking this. Well, that'll never happen. Well, honey, it won't with that attitude. I know, I know people, listen, hey, listen. I know people, well, let's be the devil's advocate. The devil don't need no advocates. He got plenty of people on the payroll. He don't need no advocates. All right, stop working for him. All right? 
But what if we just said, Jesus, I am in. Here's the thing. It just, I mean, it really, it really just comes down to are we serious about reaching this community or do we just want to play church? I'm going to talk about the addiction issues. What's the church going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, oh, somebody else got to do something. I got church to go to. What? It all comes down to are we serious about go and make disciples? It all comes down, Summit, to obedience and disobedience. That's all it comes down to. Just obedience and disobedience. And when we stand in front of Jesus Christ, we will discover that a strategy that just hoped the world would show up on a Sunday was a bad strategy. Because here we are today, Christianity is the biggest religion, biggest faith in the world. Billions of people worship Jesus around the world. We saw pictures of it. How did it happen? When I look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus spent three years with 12 people. And then after he went back to heaven, they sent the, he sent the Spirit. And then those disciples made disciples who made disciples who made disciples. And thousands of years later, here we are in Hazard, Kentucky, worshiping Jesus, talking about this strategy of People investing their lives in other people. And God might show up if we will be available to Him. So this all comes down, this all just simply comes down to you and I being available. Not how much Bible we know or seminary degree we know I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. Jesus had to die for all of us. But it just simply comes down to God, I'm available. And listen, here's the scary thing about being available. I don't even know what that looks like. I have no idea what being available to God looks like. But I'm just willing to be in that position. Amen? Man, I, after the first service, after the first service, we preached this after the first service, there's a lady comes up. I won't say her name because I, I, I didn't ask permission to share this. Um, lady comes up, comes here every single week, serves, amazing. G- gave her life to Jesus, got, sa- got saved and baptized right here. Baptized her uh, right out there in the lobby when we first moved in to this building. And she said, Mark, God just keeps telling me things to do and it's freaking me out. Mark, God's just speaking to me and it's, it's scaring me to death. I was at Walmart last night and God told me to buy the baby formula for this lady checking out in front of me. And so she tells me this story about how she's, you know, serving this lady in Walmart and this lady doesn't even know her and she's saying, Mark, I know this lady has to be thinking I'm crazy because I'm a stranger and I walk up to you God told me to buy your baby food. You know? And she said, Mark, what do I do? I said, you don't do anything but just keep listening. Just keep listening and doing what he says. Because listen, if you're available, oh, if I'm available, God might call me to Kenya to one of those places. And? Does God do that for everybody? No. One thing, if you're available, God might use you to change your whole school. If you're available, God might use you to be the spark that starts the revival that changes eastern Kentucky. It 